sad about this morning we do have a great show super bowl 57 is set it is the kansas city chiefs taking on the philadelphia eagles in arizona in two weeks now we'll break down the conference championships here on the show but i just want to remind everybody that you are listening to us on wqee 99.1 fm the key out of noonan georgia from two to three monday through friday right after rod peterson and we are brought to you by Ivy Park Sports Bar and Grill, Christie's Cafe, The Man in the Mirror Podcast, and Local Grounds Coffee Company. All right, besides the conference championships, going to talk a little bit about NBA. A lot of people are just talking about that LeBron foul, and I'll get into that. This is a podcast dedicated to Columbus, Georgia, so I'll talk about the River Dragons, the Columbus Rapids, Columbus State, Cougars and Lady Cougars. And I'll also get into high school basketball as Thrift Berenger and myself were calling a couple of basketball games at the campus of Glenwood on Saturday. But I'm going to start this show off talking about the NFC Championship. Yes, I am a San Francisco 49ers fan. And yes, I was completely disappointed and completely shocked that the 49ers even got into a position where they lost their fourth string quarterback. First of all, the 49ers had a great season. After week seven, they were three and four. I didn't even think they were going to make the playoffs. Trey Lance gets hurt in week two. Jimmy Garoppolo gets hurt in week 13. In comes Brock Purdy, the last pick in the draft. Mr. Irrelevant comes in and he wins seven straight. The 49ers won 12 straight. They get the number two seed. They knock off their arch rivals, probably their two biggest rivals in the history of the franchise, Seattle and Dallas, they have to play a very good Philadelphia Eagles team on the road. And if all they had to do was challenge that catch that Devonta Smith made, which wasn't a catch at all, and that was a fourth down play, the 49ers get the ball, stopping Philly on their first possession. And who knows what would have happened. First of all, could somebody just block Hassan Reddick? Brock Purdy, just a freakish injury. It's going to be a UCL injury. We don't know the severity of it this morning. It could be an injury that could affect next season. So that's something to watch. So Brock Purdy gets injured by Hassan Reddick, who made the play of the game. He was the MVP of the NFC Championship. The Philadelphia Eagles do win 31-7. to But the 49ers defense... They stopped the run game at first. I felt like they went toe-to-toe, especially the Eagles forced two turnovers. There was just a bonehead play by the 49ers that gave the Eagles great field position, and they went up 21-7 at the half. Even after that, I felt that with Josh Johnson, he could throw the football, he could move the ball down the field, but once Josh Johnson got hurt, In the back of my mind, I did not know how serious Brock Purdy's injury was and could he throw the football? That was a question I kept asking myself while I was watching this game. 
And obviously, he could not, he even whispered to Kyle Shanahan that he could not throw. So the 49ers were in a bad position. This is starting to become an unwatchable game. But of course, as a 49ers fan, I watched it all the way to the end. I even watched the little brawl at the end, just a dirty play by Trent Williams. The 49ers were snake-bitten by penalties. The Eagles had long, sustainable drives that kept going because of penalties. And the Philadelphia Eagles, congratulations to them. They win. They reach their fourth Super Bowl. I got two weeks to preview this Super Bowl between the Eagles and the Chiefs. There's a lot of storylines. But really, the storyline this morning is what could have happened if Brock Purdy did not get injured in this game. I think the 49ers could have given the Eagles a game. This could have been a very exciting game that could have went down to the final minute. And it was one of those games where I thought that that was going to be the case. The Eagles do have a great defense. They got a great offensive line. They were pushing the 49ers defense, creating holes. The 49ers defense, even though they had some moments where they made some great stops, I think that Traverius Ward had just great one-on-one coverage with Devonta Smith. I think the 49ers did a pretty good job containing Jalen Hurts. They flushed him out to the right side of the pocket. And if you take away that catch by Devonta Smith with the 49ers did not challenge, this could be a different game. Maybe the 49ers don't call a drop back pass with second down, which Kyle Shanahan is known for doing that. And you don't put a backup tight end on one of the most fiercest pass rushers in the game. Did the 49ers not scout Hassan Reddick? I mean, I know he's new to the Eagles this year, came over from Arizona. They should have been familiar with him. Hassan Reddick wreaked havoc in this game, including a big sack on Josh Johnson. The Philadelphia Eagles, they win the game. This is the first time that the 49ers were blown out in a playoff game since 2002, when the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who went on to win the Super Bowl, beat the 49ers 31-6. Yes, I had to rewatch that game. I actually missed it because I was in basic training in 2003. My thoughts on the 49ers and the future of this San Francisco organization, which is about to lose their defensive coordinator, D'Amico Ryans, probably going to get the Houston Texans job. I have not seen the unrestricted free agents. I know that Emmanuel Mosley is going to come back. But I think the 49ers have a mediocre schedule. Actually, the Eagles have the toughest schedule in all of football. And I'm definitely going to circle that game when they take on the Eagles, a rematch of the NFC Championship. The 49ers are going to be hungry. And they should be one of the favorites to get to the Super Bowl next year. All they need is a healthy quarterback. This is the most snake-bitten, injury-riddled team I have ever seen. I mean, did you see the 2020 season where they pretty much lost all their starters? I have never witnessed a team lose four quarterbacks in the season. And I know that there's talks this morning about reaching out to Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers. All they need is just a quarterback that doesn't get injured, a healthy quarterback. That's why they drafted Trey Lance. Because Jimmy Garoppolo was continuing to get injured. When Jimmy G was healthy, the 49ers did reach the Super Bowl. Now for Brock Purdy, which he has proven that the 49ers could not get to where they were without his success. I think 
that he could develop into a decent quarterback. I am not ready to name him the starter in 2023 because I still think Trey Lance, who is a big, strong quarterback, that he could be one of those quarterbacks that can go toe-to-toe with a Joe Burrow or a Josh Allen or a Patrick Mahomes. But Brock Purdy proven that he can play in this league, and I just wish him the best of luck, and hopefully that UCL injury is not as severe as we think it's going to be. All right, now let's talk about the AFC Championship. So after watching the 49ers-Eagles-NFC Championship, which, by the way, I double-screened it because I was also watching the Columbus Rapids. I'll get into that as well. Cincinnati Bengals had their shot at beating Kansas City. Patrick Mahomes was hobbled. He had a high ankle sprain. He could not move around in the pocket, but still, that Mahomes magic, that touchdown pass to Aldez Scantling to make it 20-13, to that was the most incredible pass I've ever seen a quarterback throw Travis Kelsey, his security blanket. I mean, that's all he had as far as weapons. You lose Tony. You lose Hardman. You lose Juju Smith-Schuster. The Chiefs were hobbled. And once again, Chris Jones making a huge defensive play, sacking Burrow when it was tied up at 20 with about two and a half minutes left to go. Joe Burrow has a shot at going down and winning this game for the Cincinnati Bengals. You give the ball back to Patrick Mahomes. That was a boneheaded play out of bounds, which gave the Chiefs kicker a shot at kicking the game-winning field goal. And why not call a timeout there to ice the kicker? The Bengals had one timeout left, and they could not do that? Wow. The Kansas City Chiefs, well, this has got to be the next dynasty, the team of the 2020s. They're back in the Super Bowl for the third time in four years. And what Patrick Mahomes has done in his first five NFL seasons, I don't think anybody has duplicated that in this league. The Kansas City Chiefs, they win 23-20. to And really, all Patrick Mahomes has to do in the next two weeks is to get healthy. And we got ourselves a Super Bowl. The Eagles are a slight favorite. But Super Bowl 57... In two weeks, the Eagles and the Chiefs. Some of the early storylines, we're going to get a few more storylines next week when we have media days, is Andy Reid facing his former team. That was the first storyline that came to mind. You also have the storyline of the Kelsey brothers. This is the first time in history where we have two brothers facing each other off as players in the Super Bowl. Remember the Harbaugh Bowl had uh, John Harbaugh and Jim Harbaugh face each other in the Super Bowl. We're not talking about coaches. We're talking about players. Jason Kelsey, the center for the Eagles, and Travis Kelsey, the tight end for the Chiefs, facing each other off in the Super Bowl. Also, this will be the first time in history where we have two African-American quarterbacks going up against each other. Jalen Hurts, who's now the second Alabama quarterback to reach the Super Bowl. Joe Namath was the first, and then Patrick Mahomes. So you have Two incredible quarterbacks. They're different style of quarterbacks. Jalen Hurts likes to run around in the pocket a little bit more than Patrick Mahomes. But the Eagles, I think, have the better defense. That's why they're the slight favorite. It should be a fun Super Bowl. I mean, I'm disappointed that the 49ers aren't there. 
I was rooting for the Bengals last night. I, I just wanted to see the Bengals reach the Super Bowl again because I love Joe Burrow. I love the way he plays. I think that if Joe Burrow had some help on his offensive line, remember he was down three offensive linemen, then maybe it would have been a different outcome. All right, we, oh, I spent the first 10 minutes talking about the conference championships. We had some NBA action over the weekend, including the NBA showcase game on ABC all eyes were on the Boston Celtics and the Los Angeles Lakers. I mean, this is the best rivalry in basketball. It could be the best rivalry in sports. I mean, they made a three-part series, an ESPN 30 for 30, the best enemies. Lakers, Celtics, in the garden. LeBron James, it was tied. He clearly gets fouled. In fact, the refs came out the next day and said that he got fouled. He clearly got fouled. They show pictures of a ref just standing there looking at him and no call and the Lakers ran out of gas the Celtics win it in overtime 125 to 121 once again LeBron James with another 40 point game it seems like he is carrying this team all by himself and how did Patrick Beverly get a camera that has got to be the most hilarious thing that I've seen Patrick Beverly do since he had the excessive celebration in the playing game when he was with the T-Wolves last year. Patrick Beverly is the type of player that you need in this game with his antics. This was a big loss for the Lakers because when you look at standings in the NBA, I'm telling you the Lakers are two back of the 10th seed to try to get into the playing game, and they have to jump two teams, OKC and Portland. And the Los Angeles Lakers are 23-27. and 27. Well, the Atlanta Hawks, they could not get the sweep over the Clippers. They lose to the Los Angeles Clippers 120-113 to at State Farm Arena on Saturday, and the Hawks are 25-25. and 25. They're taking on Dame Time and the Blazers tonight. At the Rose Garden, do they still call it the Rose Garden? In Portland, Oregon. I remember living on the West Coast. The Portland Trailblazers were very popular in Oregon and North, like way North California. They loved the Portland Trailblazers even more than the Sacramento Kings up in Northern California. But yeah, the Atlanta Hawks, you know, the Clippers are starting to become a team that is starting to heat up with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. You got a healthy Kawhi Leonard and a healthy Paul George, and they're talking about maybe getting a point guard in here. The Clippers can go toe-to-toe with the Lakers. They can go toe-to-toe with the Warriors, and they're looking like one of the favorites that could win the West. I know they don't do so well when they get to the playoffs, and they did lose to the Cavaliers last night, 122-99. to But I'm telling you, the Clippers, if they have all their pieces... They're a dangerous team come playoff time. Some of the other NBA games, the Memphis Grizzlies, they finally snap that losing streak and they beat the Pacers 112 to 100. John Morant with a triple double 27 points, 15 assists, and 10 rebounds. And Jaron Jackson Jr. adding 28 points. Boy, this is another dangerous team if they have a lot of players and a lot of depth and if they start getting healthy. Look out for the Memphis Grizzlies because they are my dark horse to reach the NBA Finals. College basketball over the weekend. Don't forget, I'm going to have my Bracketology show on Tuesday. You're enrolled in class number two for Bracketology 101. 
We had some major upsets. Will this shake up my bracketology? I'm actually going off of what I believe the number one seeds are going to be. You don't want to miss it. We had some major upsets. Mississippi State beating TCU 81 to 74 in overtime. Yet Oklahoma destroying Alabama 93 to 69. I don't think Alabama's the number one seed anymore, y'all. West Virginia beating Auburn 80 to 77. And then Tennessee getting a big win over Texas. I think that Tennessee has solidified themselves as a number one seed. You had Kansas beating Kentucky. Georgia, who did not get to participate in the Big 12 SEC Challenge. Georgia gets a big win in overtime over South Carolina by the score of 81 to 78. And Georgia is now 14 and 7 overall. They're not even considered a bubble team because their strength of schedule. They got a big one at Neville Arena, one of the most hostile environments in all of college basketball, taking on the Auburn Tigers. are going to try to look to bounce back after that loss to West Virginia. They got some winnable games. I think that Georgia can get to 20 wins. I mean, they, they got to pull off some upsets here. But we're looking at an NIT berth if Georgia does not make a deep run in the SEC tournament. Georgia Tech. So I've talked about Georgia Tech just being a very disappointing team. They've had a lot of tradition and history of being considered point guard U, but they got destroyed by the Duke Blue Devils at home. 86-43. to 43. It wasn't even competitive. I also think this used to be a game where it was hard to get a ticket. It would be completely sold out. Only 7,000 fans showed up. The place wasn't even completely at full capacity. I mean, that's a disgrace. That That's how bad Georgia Tech basketball has fallen off. When you have a team like Duke coming to town, and it is hard to get a ticket for that. So that's my spill on uh, Georgia Tech. But there is one team in Georgia that could make the NCAA tournament, and that is the Kennesaw State Owls. They defeat Lipscomb 85-72. to I actually watched this game on ESPN+. The Convocation Center actually had a lot of fans. They had almost 2,000 fans. And I know that place holds at least 4,000 because I was at the Kennesaw State-Georgia Tech game in 2010 where there, it seemed like there wasn't an empty seat. But Terrell Burden with 18 points. The Kennesaw State Owls are 17-6. and six. And right now, looking at the schedule, because Liberty is in first place in the Atlantic Sun, they got to play Liberty on February the 16th at the Convocation Center, and that could determine who is going to win the regular season tournament. Now, even if Kennesaw State does not make it to the NCAA tournament, if they win the regular season tournament, they are going to at least get into the NIT, which is going to be a huge victory for the Kennesaw State Owls and head coach Amir Abdul-Rahim, who has really taken over this program and has done a great job. And as long as I'm doing a podcast and I'm covering Georgia college basketball, I'm going to cover Kennesaw State. And I think this is a fascinating story, especially if they make the NCAA tournament. The Columbus River Dragons get a big sweep over the Port Huron Prowlers over the weekend. They had a two-game series at the Columbus Civic Center. Brandon Coolgan received his sixth shutout 
of the season. On Friday night, they defeated Port Huron 7 to nothing, And then they turn around on Saturday and they get the win 8-3. to And uh, this team is rolling. I know they dropped 3 or 4 against Carolina, but they are back on track with their winning ways, averaging five goals a game. They are 26-5-1 with 76 points. Right now, the leading goal scorer is Jacob Kelly with 28, followed by Alex Storjahan with 20, and Cody Wickline with 14. This weekend, get ready. They take on the second-best team in the Federal Prospects Hockey League on the road, the Danbury Hattricks for a two-game series this Friday and Saturday, which means, hey, the Columbus Civic Center is open this weekend? No, it's not. They're having the WWE Slam. As a Rapids announcer, yeah, I get it. We're calling a game this Wednesday at the Columbus Civic Center. It is what it is. But hey, the Columbus Rapids home opener, February the 1st. It is a Wednesday. It's a rare Wednesday night game. But the Columbus Rapids came back from their road trip this Sunday down to Tampa Bay for the first time in their franchise. This expansion team, the Tampa Bay Strikers, the men's team picked up the victory 12-7. to It was a back-and-forth game. Tampa was up 4-2, to but you had three goals and three assists by Clayton Adams. You had four goals by Brandon Cervantes. And this was the most goals that the Columbus Rapids men's team has scored in franchise history. They are 1-1 one one on the season, and they are taking on the defending NISL champions, the Fayetteville Fury, on Wednesday. And I will have the call on the NISL YouTube channel. All right, let's talk about the women's team. They took one on the chin, losing to the Tampa Bay Strikers 12-4. Olivia Gerald got the party going for the Rapids, going up 1-0. Carly Banks also had two goals, but too much firepower for the Tampa Bay Strikers. This is a team that we're going to see at the Columbus Civic Center on February the 22nd. There's going to be a lot of storylines, but the Columbus Rapids women's team does have an opportunity to get back into the win column this Wednesday against the Fayetteville Fury, and I love seeing that matchup. That front line with Olivia Gerald and Carly Banks is lethal. But this Tampa Bay team looks pretty solid, and I can't wait to see them back at the Columbus Civic Center. Columbus Rapids women's team is 0-2 on the season, and hopefully they could pick up the win against Fayetteville on Wednesday. Congratulations to the Columbus State Cougars getting the 69-64 victory over Georgia College. They are now 11-9 overall, 4-6 in the Peach Belt. Daniel Melvin led all scores. He had a season-high 21 points. And they will travel on the road to take on South Carolina Aiken this Wednesday. They're back in action at the Lumpkin Center this Saturday afternoon taking on Flagler College. Hey, congratulations to the Columbus State Lady Cougars getting the 84-79 victory over Georgia College. They are now 11-7 overall, 5-5 in the Peach Belt. Amelia Tenbrock led all scorers with 26 points. Amber Abuzbe also chipped in with 14 points. And they will also take on South Carolina Aiken on the road this Wednesday and back in action at the Lumpkin Center starting at 1.30. 
A 1.30 tip-off for the Lady Cougars taking on Flagler College. As always, you can listen to these games on WCUG 88.5. And I also want to remind all you Columbus State Athletics fans that this is the home opener in the Peach Belt for the Columbus State baseball team. They are taking on West Alabama for a three-game home series at Burger King Field at Ragsdale Stadium. Columbus State had a very impressive run to the Super Regionals, but lost to North Greenville in three games. I'm excited about Columbus State baseball this season. I have expressed interest that I would love to fill in for Scott Miller on play-by-play when he's calling basketball games. Now, when he's calling baseball games, I would love to just be on the broadcast with Scott because that would be a dream come true. All right, let's talk about LaGrange College, you know, because this is the flagship station for your LaGrange Panthers. Panthers team is rolling. They got the win on Wednesday against Piedmont, 80-77. to The LaGrange Panthers are 13-6 and overall, 5-1 and in conference play. And this Tuesday at the Mariotti Gymnasium, they take on Huntington College. The Lady Panthers, they get the win over the weekend, a big win, 82-57 over Agnes Scott. And they are 14-4 overall, 8-1 in conference play. Point Skyhawks, now they're 11-11 on the season. They got a big game going up to Aleska, Georgia to take on their in-state rival, Reinhardt. The Point Lady Skyhawks having a great season, 15 and 7 overall, as they defeated Breenow 76 to 59. Just to recap a little bit of some of the high school basketball that happened over the weekend, Glenwood gets the sweep over Abbeville Christian. I was broadcasting the game alongside Thrift Barringer. Does a great job doing play-by-play. I just love helping out whenever I can. He was going back to his alma mater to take on the duties of play-by-play and the Glenwood Lady Gators, the two-time state champions in the AISA, looking really good as they picked up the victory over the Lady Generals and the Glenwood Gators get the victory over the Generals. And Senior Night is going to be this Tuesday as they are taking on Springwood. Another big game happening as Northside is taking on Northgate on Tuesday and then they're taking on Russell County on Wednesday And then this Friday, a big region game, Shaw versus Hardaway. I reached out to Coach Horton for the Shaw Raiders. As many of you know, Shaw is near and dear to my heart because that's probably where my kids are going to go. And I've expressed interest that I would like to be the PA announcer for that game. So as this is episode 550, I've done this show for three years. Tomorrow is actually going to be my three-year anniversary, my first episode of the Sports Beat was aired on Apple Podcasts on January the 31st, 2020. That was a tough time in sports because Kobe Bryant passed away the week before. The Chiefs were getting ready to take on the 49ers in the Super Bowl, and I was previewing that game, and it was a challenge for me to do this podcast. But as I saw the podcast grow, and it it growed, I built up an audience. The pandemic happened. And even though I was auditioning to be a guest host on 95.7 ESPN Radio, I had two auditions, one in January and I had one on February the 19th. And I thought they were very strong shows and they were going to make a decision that first week in March 
and I was waiting and waiting and I was anticipating them to make their decision. I know there was a lot of great broadcasters that were auditioning. I got a lot of good feedback. I thought that maybe I could get it. The pandemic happened and they never made the decision. In fact, they never had local sports broadcasting at 95.7 since the pandemic. Well, I think that motivated me to just continue pushing my podcast. And I've had 550 episodes. I've had a live show at Ivy. I'm going to have another live show at Ivy this Tuesday night. You don't want to miss it. I've had over 50 guests. And I'm really just pushing through. Because as much as I love calling games for the Rapids, the Lions, and high school football and basketball, I also love talking about sports and giving you the content that you want to hear. All right, so thank you everybody for listening to another episode of the Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. I want to thank all my listeners who have downloaded my podcast, subscribed to my Facebook and Twitter, and I hope you have a great rest of your day. Bye, everybody. You are listening to the Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge, broadcasted on WQEE 99.1 FM The Key from 2 to 3 p.m. Monday through Friday. This is a local podcast that covers Columbus sports and beyond. If you would like to hear more of this podcast, you can download us on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And I hope you have a great rest of your day.